Welcome to Business Talk Sister Doc. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is How Gen Z Will Impact Business. And we are doing part two of an interview with Hayden Shaw. And he is a generational researcher and author of the book Sticking Points, How to Get Four Generations Working Together in the 12 Places They Come Apart. And if you missed the previous episode, you should definitely go back and listen to it because we got a really good summary of how each generation is different, um, how different historical things impact them, and a lot of information on what Gen Z is being defined by right now. So I'm excited to get into the business aspects of that as well. Thank you so much for being back with us today. Thanks for having me. It was a really fun conversation last time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we were kind of talking before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about this idea of tyranny of choice or um, people in Gen Z trying to choose and having opportunity costs within that. And um, I just loved that um, poem you said by Sylvia Platt, um, the tree poem. Could you tell us a little bit about that? And also, it might not be called the tree poem, but I just said (laughs) tree poem. It was a poem about a tree. She compared (laughs) her life to a tree. Mm -hmm. And I think it does capture uh, this new life stage of emerging adulthood that she talked about whatever, you know, whatever branch she climbed, other branches would shrivel up. And as she got older, her choices were reduced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is one of the anxieties of emerging adulthood, that new life stage, is that there's so many choices. How do you decide among all the choices? And how do you construct yourself? That's one of the big challenges of that life stage. You know, you know adolescence has its tasks or its challenges, psychologists call it. Um, so does, you know, so does middle age and, and uh, moving into second adulthood um, and then elderly. All of those have their tasks that have to be handled. Well, one of the key tasks of emerging adulthood is creating your identity. And, you know, while in adolescence, people try on different things. It's like, oh, wow. She really did go golf on that. And so that, you know, people try on different identities for different times and different time frames. Um, but emerging adulthood is where a person begins to define that. They begin to say, I think this is what I'm about. I think this is what I want to do. And they try some different things. They have a lot of choices and sorting through all those choices and defining themselves is at times an overwhelming task. You can see why there's a quarter life crisis. And some of the older generations like quarter life crisis, you're still having your parents pay your cell phone bill. How's their crisis? <laughs> and the quarter yeah. life crisis is how, why am I not happier with all this freedom and all this support I have from my family and from how am I not happier? And it's a very legitimate thing. Quarter life crisis. Who do I want to be next? What are my, what are my choices? Mm. So you have this full platter that you can choose from and it creates maybe just a little bit of, of fear and anxiety in that. So um, what kind of areas uh, do Gen Z have advantage in and other generations in terms of like business specifically that they can pursue different things that you're not seeing in, in other generations? Certainly there is an expectation that organizations are going to be kinder. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, just to put it in perspective, The Economist magazine <coughs> um, it, it talked about how managers have been expected to be more humane over the decades. And, uh, you know, they talk about National Cash Register, where the founder of that was frustrated with an employee and he lit his desk on fire. It was a wooden desk yeah, back in the 1800s. He just lit it on fire. He, he was frustrated <laughs> with it. 
Well, there would be all kinds of all kinds of legal (laughs) matters about doing that today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what was typical behavior in the show Mad Men? uh, What was typical behavior in the 60s? Maybe a bit over the top for, you know, the show to be dramatic. Um, It's not unusual Mm -hmm. behavior. Maybe over the top, but not at all unusual behavior. All of that would get a person um, fired on social media, would get a person sued. And so... One of the things is that Gen Z just expects, you know, in their minds, you're not a manager if you're not a coach. Mm-hmm. Other generations would be like, I have a good manager who's a good coach. Now, in, in Gen Z's minds, the surveys are pretty clear. You can't even define yourself as a manager if you're not a coach. Mm-hmm. And so a much greater focus on um, being human at work. And one of the other advantages, and organizations are supporting that. It was hard to find people. And it's hard to find people um, in a lot of different industries and has been for a while. And COVID slowed that down for a touch. But now that the economy is moving again and people are spending money, um, a lot of organizations can't find, can't find people and can't find the workers that they want. And so it is a, it is a uh, seller's market, not a buyer's market when it comes to talent right now. And so that helps intensify that commitment to treating people well. Um, In addition, the fact that we're now in many, many industries, much more comfortable working remotely. And so it gives choices. Millennials had to fight really hard in a lot of organizations to take Mm -hmm. two mornings off to work from a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, more and more people see the, what happened over the last eight, you know, 15 months as being the kind of thing that has reshaped the way we'll work. Now, most people will go back to physical workplace. Most people will do that. <clears throat> but, but the options are there. And Gen Z has the choice that other generations n- never really had. They want to yeah. go back to a physical workplace more than the other generation. That's a kind of was surprising to people. But they have the choice. Um, and they look for employers that allow that choice, even if at this stage in their career, they want to go into a physical workplace. Do you think, so this is a side, I have a question, but this is a side question. (laughs) Do you think that part of that is because when you were previously talking last week about um, millennial parents and Gen Xer parents telling um, Gen Z, hey, don't be posting things because that's the first thing people are going to look at. Um, Do you think getting back in the office is exciting because it means there's less liability when you're trying to communicate? People can see your tone in your face-to-face interaction? Oh, I don't know if it's a liability around, I, you know, I, there's, oh, wow, there are pictures of me with, a, you know, with um, um, one of those red cups full of beer. Uh, <laughs> there's, so it's not as much liability, but I posted things I shouldn't have posted or search for, but it's the understanding that, yes, communication is, is more challenging. And frankly, people in remote work disappear. Hmm. When you have people, and this is the research on this has been clear for you know a decade. When you have people who are um, in a physical space together, and you have three or four people who are allowed to work remotely, the people who are allowed to re- re- work remotely often feel like they're invisible. That's the word they used in 1,500 interviews that got reported on in 2019. They used the word invisible to describe what it's like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what Gen Z knows is, I am not going to grow a network remotely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get noticed remotely. 
nearly as much as I'll get noticed if I'm there physically. Mm -hmm. Wow. Interesting. Got a big, big survey done by Microsoft, big, big survey, 30,000 people. So it's a big one. And uh, they, that was one of the surprises is they want the option like all generations do, but they want to go into work. Funny, the boomers didn't want to work remotely hmm. wow. for the first half. They were adamant. I'm going back to work. And then the second half, they're like, mm, no, I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I want to stay I've remote forever. <laughs> Once they got comfortable with all the technology, they're like, I could do this. This mm -hmm. is better. Yeah. Yeah. So my question, so that was my tangent. Now <laughs> there's my real question. Okay. How will Gen Z change the way business is completed? A lot more comfortable juggling between the social media world and email and other technologies. So, you know, they're comfortable speaking to people. They're comfortable in groups. Um, they're more independent than the boomers were. You know, the baby boomers, are the, uh, um, and they're more independent than the uh, millennials were. You know, so millennials were like, let's do this in teams. And Xers are much more, you know, you get more done when you work on your own than if you do a group project. <laughs> so that's a big shift is Xers are like, yeah, you know, about every third, about, you know, two out of three group projects worked and about one out of three, two of us ended up doing all the work while the others were lazy. <laughs> Just faster and easier if I do it myself. That's been a shift so far in what's showing up. And, but, you know, they can bounce between different formats. And they're much more comfortable in social. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things that happen in social. For example, Harvard Business Review had an article on if you're going to do business in China, um, they work off of the phone, not off of their you know, off of their computers. So you better and they most of the advertising is done socially. And mm -hmm. so you better be good at social rather than traditional. What is traditional U.S. advertising? Hmm. Interesting. Those are all ways this new generation is going to change it up and get work done differently. Yeah. So how can businesses prepare for this new generation coming into the marketplace? They need to be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> okay. Write that down, put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that could be my, that could be the alternative to okay. Boomer have a, or have a terrible day. t-shirt. Um, you know, in many ways, they're going to be nose to the grindstone. Whereas, you know, Xers and millennials really had dress code as an issue. Mm -hmm. For Gen Z, they're like, yeah, dress code, whatever. Mm -hmm. Most of them said, I'm going to dress whatever the standard is at the company. Because they've got parents saying to them, you're not living here at home. You're not pursuing your theater dream. Yeah. <laughs> and they were told by their parents, go get, a, go get a degree that has a market that you can sell and then go do those other things if you want to. But, you know, I'm um, parents are much less willing to pay, you know, all that money and go into 37,000 in debt for people to, um, pursue a dream for millennials. It was, you know, 68% of people, I think you ought to pursue your dream rather than have a job with stability. And it was just flipped with Gen Z. Gen Z is like, nope, go for stability versus pursue your dream. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if a business owner is, is looking to hire someone who's from the Gen Z generation, like, I guess that's probably redundant me to say Gen Z generation. Anyways, you said it just fine. That's, <laughs> okay. that's valid since Gen Z is an official title. Okay. Adding uh, generation is completely valid. Okay. What are some common things to be aware of when you're trying as a business owner hiring someone from Gen Z? 
You bet. So, you know, we talked about emerging adulthood a bit now, and uh, uh, I would I would say go watch the TED Talk that I did. Half of what you heard yeah. about millennials is wrong because Gen Z is also in this emerging adulthood life stage. A lot of people, you know, I had somebody pull me aside at a conference and said, I would pay you big money if you could tell me which ones to hire that'll stay 30 years. Hmm. I said, well, the answer is probably none of them. Uh, <laughs> done. <laughs> Yeah. And so he goes, yeah, that's what I was afraid of. I said, emerging adulthood means I might, you know, I might meet somebody online and might move to Seattle, even though I'm next in line for promotion in the succession plan. You may be grooming me for a role and I may go, hmm, I think we can make this work. But, you know, they just got a really great job in Seattle. And so I'm going to move out there and see if we can make it work. Hmm. So how do you anticipate changes from Gen Z affecting um, different business sizes. Is there going to be a difference between small business versus corporate America? Well, corporate America. So I, I met a guy um, on a plane, on a plane that I go to church with. And he said to me, oh, we're just having real trouble competing because uh, some of our competitors, you know, he installs um, security systems for businesses. And he goes, some of our, you know, some of our competitors are offering $10 more an hour than we can. Whew. But you can imagine in the service business, that's, that's, that's a, a lot. lot of money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, I, we just can't compete with that. So what are we going to do? I said, well, what do you offer that they don't offer? He goes, well, you know, they have to work Saturdays. And if your kid, you know, if your kid has a recital, it really doesn't matter. If you didn't put in for it for your few days off of vacation, then it doesn't matter. I said, so basically, you let them, if they got a family member in the hospital, you'll schedule around them. If you, if they've got something they want to see of their child, they can go do that. He goes, yeah. I said, that may not be worth 10 bucks an hour to everybody at every stage in their life, but that's worth 10 bucks an hour to a lot of people. Mm. So smaller businesses can be kinder, mm-hmm. more people oriented, more willing to listen, more flexible. Unless they get somebody who wants to co- wants to copy what they think of as corporate America and gets all cranky and hard-nosed. And then they lose their advantage. I said, you ought to tell people. You ought to tell people, hey, uh, we know you can make more money someplace else. Here's what we offer. And you ought to look with swagger in your eye about all the benefits being small has over being one of those big divisions of a huge corporation where they're going to be, uh, on their good day, they're only going to be a number. Hmm. I said, if you're in a smaller business, you ought to work that like crazy. Well, if you're a large corporation, you've got all kinds of resources. You've got mentoring programs. You've got technology. One of the things Gen Z really cares about is the technology they get to use. Well, you know, larger corporations frequently have um, more buying power on technology costs. So they can get sometimes some fancier things. Hmm. Now, it's so funny, by the way, that smaller businesses will go, wow, turnover is expensive. I know. So spend 1700 bucks for a laptop or a computer system <laughs> that has a standing desk and what they want to use. And because um, it's cheaper than turnover, you know, and so people are like, oh, yeah, here's Lenovo from 1816. See if you can. <laughs> There's a handle on there. See if you can pull start that puppy. And the new people get those. And the irony is you got the older, you know, the older generations that really don't know how to use all the bells and whistles. 
hey, when's the last time you edited video and needed all that capacity? Mm. I don't know, but man, my RAM is amazing. I think I have 4.2 billion RAM on this thing. <laughs> yeah, you could render the world on that, but you don't ever do that kind of work. So why don't you swap out with somebody else? Hmm. Yeah, so another question I have regarding that aspect of like, um, corporate America offering all these really great benefits. But when a lot of corporate America is becoming more subcontractor based, how do you think this is going to affect Gen Z entering the workforce with so many side hustles and all these different things of how they're looking to make money? What's well, interesting, how many companies are having to change their contracts? Mm. Companies with contracts that say no side hustle. Because mm. you've got mm-hmm. so many people going, Oh, okay, well, never mind then. Really? Come back. Come here. Whoa, 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 come back here. What do you mean? Well, I already have six or seven clients. I'm not going to tell them no. Or I've been doing a podcast. Or I've been, and they're like, oh, really? I said, a side hustle is a great thing because if there's any challenge for younger generations is they get bored. We assumed we were going to be bored. Work was a four-letter word for a reason. (laughs) But younger generations are like, I'm bored. Yes. Okay, I have other options. I'm bored. I don't know why you're telling me this. Sounds like a personal problem. I'm bored. And then they're gone. I can't believe they left us. Well, didn't they tell you three times they were bored? Mm. It's work. It's supposed to be boring. One of the things that large corporations can do is give people a lot of options of things they can do so they don't have to be bored. Secondly, um, side hustle allows people to have something else they're focused on, even when the work is boring or when they've mastered it. And so a side hustle is a great way of keeping people around longer. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I love that. This is just and more than so that. Many. They're not going to come and work for you. Many people, if they can't do a side hustle. Hmm. Yeah, as I've definitely seen a lot of people say, oh, I'm not working there because they have a non-compete clause. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So definitely for sure. Well, we uh, have enjoyed so much uh, all of these questions. We have one more question for you. Uh, what tools and resources would be helpful for uh, Gen Z to understand if they're going to be successful in the future? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it, it's going to sound very self-serving, <laughs> but that's one of the reasons I wrote, I updated Sticking Points. Um mm-hmm. So that Gen Z, in some ways, baby boomers have seen all the historical events, like we talked about in the last episode, all the historical events that shaped all the generations younger than them. Mm-hmm. The, the generation with the greatest disadvantage is Gen Z because they've not personally experienced the events that shape people. Mm. And so as you, as the word you used in the last episode was so wonderful, it gives us more grace with other people. We're just more patient with other people and we're better at communicating with them when we understand not only what they think, but why they think it. And mm-hmm. so that was the entire design of that of the Sticking Points book is to help those five generations understand why they think that way. And more than anything else, Gen Z needs to understand why older generations think the way they do so mm-hmm. that they don't really mean, okay, boomer, have a terrible day. So that they really don't mean that. Um, so that it's, it just goes back to being a joke. Yeah. 
That's and that so is my that is my silly story when you're ready for it. It's related to the OK Boomer t-shirt. OK, yeah, <laughs> we want to hear that as our, we're going to transition to but, that now. Hang on. So go ahead and, and tell our listeners where they can find you. And um, and definitely, guys, if you have not listened to last week's episode, you'll want to go and listen because it's just as good as this one. Well, you can find me at PeopleDrivenResults.com. And you can also find me from time to time on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm always on LinkedIn, but sometimes I post stuff there. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear this story. Um, so go ahead and take it away. It's not as compelling as last week's. So I'll just have to admit that. So if you didn't hear last week, you have to go back and listen to the making fun of my son did on a screen test for a television show. The um, That never, ever happened, by the way. The... Um, uh, but I was wearing an OK Boomer t-shirt in a restaurant and was that, you know, I I was, my son was going to have a work meeting. He goes, oh, I got called into this thing. They just, it's just going to be a half hour, but they're taking us to a great restaurant where he lives in Idaho, Boise, Idaho. And so I'm in, I'm in there for coffee and they, hey, join us. I said, but I don't want to interrupt your meeting. I was going to sit here and work on my uh, laptop. Um so it was, it was great. So the woman who was serving the, it was a, you know, it was a Gen Zer who was serving. And then later that afternoon, she heard my daughter-in-law and wife talking about something related to OK Boomer. And she's like, there was this old guy and he was wearing an OK Boomer t-shirt and it was so weird. And my daughter-in-law said, yeah, that was my father-in-law. He was in earlier with my husband. And she said, oh, and she goes, yeah, you know, that's been his entire, that's been his entire goal is to make that shirt funny rather than strange. And that really <laughs> is it. That's my goal is so that OK Boomer is something people say with a smile as opposed to, uh, you know, with um, homicidal fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a way to, to end our, our series on generational differences and stuff. So thank you for, for that. <laughs> Yeah. And if you enjoyed this episode, um, definitely check out the other ones and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week.